Oh My God is brought to you by Afterglow ATX, a digital music publication in Austin, Texas. Read the entirety of our content at afterglowatx.com and follow us on all social media at Afterglow ATX. Hi, y'all, and welcome back to another episode of Glow My God, an Afterglow ATX official podcast serving the hottest takes about what's next in your queue. Unfortunately, this is our last episode of the year, but fortunately for y'all, my co-editor-in-chief and I, Zoe Zagilla, are actually in the same place this week. What a novel concept. <laughs> um, today's very special guests are Afterglow content editor, Samantha Paradiso, and managing editor, Meneza Here. For today's episode, we'll be talking about something totally not controversial, cultural appropriation, and how even some of our favorite artists are guilty of taking from other cultures. But first, what's new in music? In What's New in Music, we reflect on some of the biggest music news events from the past two weeks. Delaney, what news has stuck out to you? One of my favorite artists of all time, Solange, is the first ever recipient of the Lena Horn Award. The award honors, quote, excellence at the intersection of arts and activism, quote, and is the first major entertainment award named after a woman of color. As a part of her award, Solange will be awarded $100,000, which she will donate to the Houston charity Project Row Houses, a culture and arts nonprofit in the historic Third Ward. Singer Billie Eilish has secured a $25 million deal with Apple TV to produce a documentary about her life. The documentary has reportedly already been shot by director R.J. Cutler in collaboration with her label Interscope Records. Legendary Korean boy band BTS has announced their plans to release new music. Band member RM closed his speech for Variety's Group of the Year by saying, quote, The great news is that we are currently working on a new, our new music and new album and can't wait to share them with you guys in the near future. I hope you guys are so excited to discover what BTS has in store in 2020, end quote. 21-year-old rapper Juice World has died, reportedly suffering from a seizure at Chicago Midway Airport. The rising star's passing has affected many fans, and many members of the rap and hip-hop community have spoken out in condolences to his loss. Read Afterglow's meaningful tribute to him, written by fan and staff writer Thomas Galindo, on our website now. Eurythmics performed together for the first time in five years during Sting's benefit concert in New York on December 9th. The duo, comprised of Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart, were last seen performing together for a Beatles tribute concert in 2014, but reunited recently to perform their own works for the first time in over a decade. Known for their hit singles Sweet Dreams and There Must Be an Angel Playing With My Heart, fans were excited to see the pair collaborate live once again. As the 2010s come to a close, many music publications are releasing their rankings of the top albums of the decade. Rolling Stone has named Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy as their number one, Enemy has named Arctic Monkeys AM as their number one, and Vice has named Solange's A Seat at the Table as their number one. Who will top Afterglow's staff ride ranking? Stay tuned for our intensely voted results. And those are the past two weeks in music. Now for our next section, Save, Skip, Repeat, which is exactly how it sounds. What are your choices for this episode, Zoe? 
Um, I would save Hallelujah by Haim because I've really been into the um, indirect holiday holiday music vibe. Um, there's been a lot of Sufi and Stevens in my Christmas music rotation, and I think Haim's Hallelujah is great at encapsulating a wintry mood, even though it doesn't really feel like the holiday season here in Austin just yet. Um, I would skip anything from the new Liam Payne album because it was so fucking bad, like really bad. I couldn't finish it. I just couldn't. Um, on repeat is one of my favorite albums of all time, which is uh, Jamie XX's In Color, because it made Afterglow's best albums of the decade list, and I had the privilege of writing about it. So look out for that piece, everyone. Um, just the way that that album incorporates the spectrum and evolution of dance music is really, really genius. What about you, Delaney? I would save Solita by Caliucci's because it is a beautiful, beautiful track with equally beautiful cover art. And I feel like we all deserve another Caliucci's project. I would skip The Girls by Iggy Azalea and Pablo Vitar because, yeah, I just don't think I need to explain that one. And for my repeat, I chose Bins by Solange because it was my most played song of 2019, according to my Spotify wrapped, which literally surprises no one. Yeah, along the same lines as Delaney, I would save another Caliucci song, of course, that she's featured on with Kay Trinada called 10%. Um, even though she's only featured on it, it's very on-brand for Caliucci's, and it's very reminiscent of her groovy beats that she has in Your Teeth in My Neck. Um, I would definitely skip Dove Cameron's new song, Out of Touch. Let's just say you can tell she was a Disney actor. <laughs> Yikes. And repeat is, of course, Vete by Bad Bunny. I don't even have to explain why. Yeah, and I would save um, Adore You by Harry Styles because I think it's one of his strongest singles in his solo career, and I think his next album is going to be really good if this single is any indicator of that. Um, I would skip Camila Cabello's new album, Romance, pretty much all of it, but particularly the song's Cry For Me, which rips off the melody of Gemini Feed by Banks, which is one of my most favorite songs of all time as well as Liar, which rips off Nuestro Planeta by Caliuchis and Raycon. Um, and I would repeat Save Room for Us by Tanache and MAKJ because it's an absolute bop. Everybody should stream songs for you right now. Now for the good stuff. This week's hot take. Each episode, we bring on a special guest that has pitched to us their hot take of the week, and we will have selected their idea to be featured in this episode. This week, our guests are Samantha Perizzo, a content editor and Afterglow's chief astrologist, and Menazi here, a managing editor whose claim to fame is going to 12 Panic at the Disco concerts. Uh, both ladies came prepared with receipts to discuss the trend that is cultural appropriation in music. Sam, I know you had some thoughts on La Rosalia. <clears throat> All right, ladies, let's <laughs> let's talk. Yeah, because I feel like everyone has been kind of shy on this topic. I know it was kind of trending a couple months ago, but I really want to bring this back up. <sighs> Although I love y'all should see her right now. She, <laughs> she came with the receipts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, I love Rosalia. I listen to her music very often. That doesn't mean I can't criticize her, yes. so let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> She's been very popular recently, um, and she recently won five Latin Grammys, um, and then she's the first um, like person to receive like Best New Artist um, nominee, recognized for her music in Spanish. So she has gotten a lot of momentum recently, but 
I just feel kind of iffy because, you know, whenever Rosalia first came out, especially with like El Mal Querer, her sound is really different um, than whenever she first got popular with like Con Altura and J, like J Balvin. Um, and even if you like go to Apple Music, sorry, Spotify listeners, <laughs> if you go to her, her profile, it's like a picture of her palmeando, which is very like on brand for Spanish people. So again, she's from Spain. Um, so let's make a distinction here, right? So if you're Hispanic, right, you are either uh, a descendant from Spain or speak Spanish. But if you're uh, like in, of the Latinx community, that means that you were born somewhere in Latin America or like your family was born somewhere there. So Rosalia is Hispanic. She is not Latinx. And so I just kind of have an issue with um, her just kind of like jumping into the reggaeton scene and like branding herself that way just because um, <laughs> her people basically colonized the Caribbean, which that's where the genre started. Um, and I think... You know, I was willing to, like, put it aside until recently um, when she came out with Apale um, and has been performing it. You know, I watched the music video and I was kind of um, confused, like taken aback because she was like sporting a unibrow in the music video. And so I was really interested in that. I was like, why did she choose to do that? And even in her performances, she chose to, like, you know, draw a fake unibrow. Okay. So I was watching a couple interviews and she had a red carpet interview and they asked her like, what is the meaning behind this music video? And so she was explaining how she has a vision for her music videos and how like the sound for Apale is very aggressive. And so she wanted an aggressive aesthetic. So, mm. Mm. I don't know about that one. Okay. So let's talk about that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Here's the hot take. So. Sociology classes are shaking. (laughs) When I saw that she had the unibrow, immediately, of course, I feel like a lot of other people as well, I thought of Frida Kahlo. Um, You know, I'm not saying Frida Kahlo invented the unibrow. Like, that's not what I'm trying to say. Um, But that was kind of her brand, right? Um, Frida Kahlo also wore, like, suits, um, which was very masculine, and so it kind of, like, set people off, and she embraced her unibrow. And so whenever she described the aesthetic as aggressive, it just was kind of icky, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, like, you know, in the music video, she had, like, these long nails, and she always wears long nails, and she wore grills, and she had... Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, and she had the unibrow, and at the end of the day, she can take all of that off. She can wash the unibrow off. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's an aesthetic for her. It's exactly what she said, an aesthetic. So I feel like she's, like, aestheticizing these things that can market her and, like, give her more sales. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so I've just been feeling very iffy because, like, you know, people can say it's like a cross-cultural convergence. I don't see it that way, you know? Yeah. So, like, for instance, Bad Bunny is, like, La Romana. He has, like, very uh, Dominican influences because at the beginning, the beats is, like, they're very reminiscent of, like, Dominican bachata. Or we can talk about, like, Shakira and Hips Don't Lie. I feel like a lot of people don't recognize this, but she sampled um, Jerry Rivera's, one of his songs, and he's Puerto Rican. 
or we can even talk about how like Super Junior and like Rake have been like making music together. Mm-hmm. That's great. I just don't see. It definitely comes off as taking it and using yeah. it. Yeah, it's like appropriating it, right? Yeah, and, and it's like there's a big difference between appropriation and appreciation, mm-hmm. and it's not always a black and white, but a lot of the times it's like really hard to tell. Um, but sometimes, and like there's more obvious cases, like I really do think that Rosalia is trying to profit off of black culture mm. by wearing long nails and putting in grills like that to me screams appropriation rather than appreciation because she's just putting it on because people like black culture but don't like black people yeah wasn't there some incident i think i think it was what you were referring to a couple of months ago where it was either for some award show but i think it was an award show and like some magazine cover she was on that described as a latina and, like, she's never made any efforts to, like, clarify that she's not Latina, that she's Hispanic. Yeah, it's just, I feel like this is very much, like, a marketing strategy. Like, this is what's getting her sales. Because, right, it's like, she came out with El Mal Querer and, like, Malamente, and people liked that. Yeah. But then there was a shift, and she collaborated with... Um, with J Balvin and then, like, other reggaeton artists. And it's just... I don't know, like, she her origins in music are in, like, flamenco-style yeah, music. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That was her emphasis in, like, the live shows mm-hmm. and everything. Oh, Still yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's a very big part. And a lot of, some people see, like, her bringing in those, like, flamenco-style, um, like, qualities into her, like, reggaeton music as, like, cross-cultural. Yeah. I think it's kind of gross. Yeah. Just because, again, right, reggaeton originated in the Caribbean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Area that was, like hugely colonized Mm -hmm. by Spain and so it's kind of like erasing what we've created as like a protest yeah Mm. um yeah so that's just how I choose to see it I mean I do I still listen to her music do I still love it yes I would just like some acknowledgement I feel like it's very superficial yeah like I think she's using that though like for the people that don't know the difference mm -hmm. you know to kind of reach that um convergence i guess but in a very like blurry way like in a way that's Mm -hmm. intentionally avoiding that for the people who don't know the difference and like i just again because it just feels so superficial to me like some of her songs i'm a i have the receipts right here Um, (laughs) she has millonaria and dios nos libre del dinero um and she's like singing these things you know everyone can relate about money problems and i cannot attest to like what um rosalia's origins are but in one of her um interviews they're like what was your first job and she was like singing like i've always done singing like i would sing at bars and like weddings and i'm like if that is your job obviously like i mean your parents are either like paying for you or like you have the luxury to not have to worry about it and you know these are making assumptions but again i feel like she's like appealing to this demographic that she's not a part of mm -hmm. yeah and I think it would be one thing if she was, like, very clear about what she's trying to do in, like, spotlighting different cultures and, like, featuring artists from different cultures. But mm-hmm. when it's, like, this purely aesthetic thing, it feels really disrespectful and it feels like borrowing or even stealing instead of, you know, appreciating or, like, exposing the world to things they don't know about. It mm-hmm. feels really, like, I want to profit off of this because these people made it look good and I know I can make it look, quote-unquote, better. And it's like one of the another example just of aestheticizing culture is like 
Coldplay has done this twice, which is oh, really yeah. interesting. Um, <laughs> I know exactly all people. what you're going to say. So, yeah. Coldplay, the music video for um, Him for the Weekend featuring Beyonce, like the song itself, like it's a little bit different because it's more aesthetic based rather than like in the musical composition. But in the music video, it's like absolutely appropriating Indian culture and it's like they're at Holy Festival and it's really pretty and Beyonce's in a Bollywood movie even though she has no Indian heritage and it's Mm -hmm. it just feels like weird and inauthentic and it doesn't match the song which doesn't help and then they did it again with Princess of China yeah there was no reason to call the song that like they don't reference China at all and then the music video is like really Japanese culture influenced which is bad enough because Contrary to popular belief, China and Japan are two different places. <laughs> um, and there's, like, she has, like, she appropriates Indian culture in that video, too. Like, because she has, like, her dancing and it looks like like a stereotypical picture of, yeah. like, Indian gods. And it's just really, like, it's clearly not meant to do anything other than get people to <clears> click <throat> the video. And, like, look at these pretty colors. And, like, oh, everybody loves kung fu fighting, right? Mm. And it's just, like... It's just really inauthentic. It's not meant to educate. Right. And okay. it's not meant to appreciate. So I, I have a question. Yeah. So do y'all think that the people that collaborate with them, like J Balvin, Rihanna, Beyonce, yeah. how complicit are they in that, um, in appropriating the culture, do you think? Well, a part of me thinks about, like, yeah, it could have been Coldplay who decided it, but was it like some record white record executive who was like, yeah. mm. "This Indian like culture thing would look really cool and get us some clicks." And of course, I would say they're a little bit complicit in that they don't say anything about it. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering because I don't know the way like music management goes. Like, are they do they have a lot of liberty in like you know creating their musical yeah. music video like, concepts because some do yeah. and then some pretty much are like told what to do or like get advice so i yeah. don't really know i think that that's a really interesting question i think that artists with even at the time of the release of both of these songs like coldplay like they definitely have enough i feel like they probably have enough of a ability to speak up for themselves and be like hey yeah, maybe this isn't true. cool yeah like it might not be as obvious with like really like smaller artists that don't necessarily have five yeah. latin grammys yeah. right but like for somebody like coldplay and, and beyonce true. and rihanna as well like i know rihanna wasn't like knowing rihanna and her personality like she wasn't about to do something that she wasn't on board with because that's her image right that's being blown up to the world to Coldplay fans that maybe necessar- aren't necessarily Rihanna fans, right? Yeah. And, like, I talked about this a little bit in an Afterglow article, but, like, music videos are an extension of the artist. Yeah, for sure. So mm-hmm. artists, I feel like, even from the very beginning, should fight for what their image is that they're putting out into the world because that's their brand. That's what their... It's, it's their brand as well as their... Like, everybody knows that, okay, Harry Styles was, like kissing up on a guy in a music video but that like it's not just a character that's on screen like rihanna doesn't take off that appropriative costume and leave at the end of the music video it's still rihanna it's still harry styles in that video it's still beyonce in that video it's still Mm. chris martin from coldplay i think is his name (laughs) fingers crossed that i got that right but like i feel like that's something that artists need to take into consideration with promotional material like music videos and like even pictures and stuff 
as much as they think about their music. Mm-hmm. They should definitely. Like I agree with everything you're saying. Yeah. I just feel like a lot of them don't see it really as a problem because they're like, it's just the art, and like I'm yeah. just you know representing another culture, and I just find the beauty in the culture and blah yeah. blah blah. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think like I think they probably do have the power to speak up, but you can't speak on, up unless you know that it's a problem. And I feel yeah. like a lot of them don't view it as a problem. But I think that also speaks to, like, what Sam was saying, is, like, you can take off the unibrow when exactly. you're done with the performance, yeah. you know? it. You don't have to carry that um, baggage with you that comes with actually living that culture. And yeah. I think that more artists, I guess, it, the more you call them out on it, I don't know how much... I mean, people have called out Rosalie on it, right? Like, Yeah, um, a couple of months ago, like, it was kind of popular on Twitter. Like, people were bringing this up. Mm-hmm. And they were mostly upset in response because Evie Queen, um, as, like, is said in her name, Queen of Reggaeton, known as La Caballota, um, she hasn't made music in a while, but, like, in the OG, like, reggaeton scene, like, old school reggaeton, like, with, like, Don Omar and, like, other artists like that. Like, she's very highly respected. And so she had been reaching out to several artists who were leaving her on red. And so they're, like, how is this, like, (laughs) woman who's, like, well-established in this genre and then another, like, some, like, new and -and up-and-coming artist who isn't even from this area, like, has been getting so much attention. But, you know, going back to your question, I am kind of conflicted, right? Because I think... As a response, like, you should consider who's the artist. Are they a person of color? Because right. it's so much harder for people of color yeah, in exactly. any field to make it, right? Yeah. Not just in music. And so sometimes if you want to make it, you just have to take what you can yeah. get. And so some people are going to see, like, J Balvin and, like, Osuna, like, working with her as, like, like, copping out and, like, selling out. But sometimes, like, you just have to. Like, she's, like like, the hot new artists, like, if you want your music to sell, like, you just have to do that, whether you agree with that or not, like, that's really up to the listeners. And as depressing as it is, like, sometimes we have to remind ourselves that, like, music is a business. Yeah. And that's Mm -hmm. really, really saddening when that's an excuse for stealing stealing cultures that don't belong to you and using them for your own commercial benefit. But at the same time, you think about, like, young artists of color, like, like, Beyonce and Rihanna are black women. They were well-established at the time, but, like, maybe, like, up-and-coming black artists, or not even just black artists, but, like, artists of color might feel like, oh, I need to start controversy so then I can have a platform, and then in the future I can improve and show people this is what you're actually supposed to do. Like, that was a bad thing that I did before, right? So, like, earning that agency and maybe, like, stirring up controversy, like, Mm -hmm. Doja Cat is an example of that. Like, she has... A lot of things to work on, but I have hope for her that she's going to not be horrible a couple of years from now. And she's a black woman, and I think that her music is really, really good, and it's innovative, and I hope that she, like, grows from this moment. And I think that that growth is really important for people to see because we don't really get it. Like, either people come out all shiny and clean and they've never made a mistake in their life, or they make mistakes and keep making mistakes and posting Twitter note apologies and then doing the same thing over again. So I think it's time that we have somebody who, like, starts out and is, like, kind of messed up at the beginning. Like, even maybe if, if it's even before they get famous and, like, oh, look, she tweeted that thing when she was 14 years old. That was bad. 
but she grows from the experience. Like mm-hmm. that's an, that's like that's Halsey. That's exactly what happened with Halsey. And like you don't have to like Halsey. I know that's a very hot take. <laughs> is liking Halsey, but it's that like she wasn't great as a 14 year old and she grew from her experiences and she's become an advocate for the trans community and for all kinds of other communities and I think that that's really important to see that growth and I think that that's something that artists should aspire to is growth whether where regardless of where they are in their career speaking of growth I feel like like you mentioned this while we were recording the other like sections I feel like the way that you respond to being called out is really indicative yeah. of your potential for growth because I believe um, Iggy Azalea, which we talked about before this, like she's just notorious for like entering the rap scene and not being respectful as a white rapper and you know really putting on a black scent or like yeah, yeah even and, that, and or like, when she got called out, she was just like f y'all basically yeah, and so it was just like okay, clearly you don't want to grow. Well, similar to that, like, in showing up to, like, the BET Awards, you know, like, Yeah, that's not your community. (laughs) You are white. You have always been white. You will always be white. That's not your place. And And the thing is, if you're going to enter a predominantly, like, black music genre, you need to be respectful. Yeah, you need to be respectful. And she was just not, you know? And it's, like, the whole existence of, like, white rappers can be a really slippery slope because people, yeah. like I said, I, I said this at the beginning, I think, like, people love black culture and black music and, like, black genres, but they don't necessarily love when black people are the leaders of those innovative yeah, for sure. fields, and I think that that's really frustrating. Mm. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Um, going back to what you were saying, Just springboard off your head. <laughs> <laughs> Just to piggyback off of that. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, where do you draw the line, you know? I feel yeah. like, yeah. I mean, especially, sorry, boomers. Um, <laughs> like, talk about, like, Twitter cancel culture, right? Like, it's yeah. been up and coming. But, I mean, I just, where do you draw the line? Some people can make mistakes, but how do you distinguish that? How do you distinguish, yeah. like, artists who make these mistakes and then bounce back from it or artists who are intentionally making this like these mistakes yeah. and profiting off of it. Yeah. I think it like I said I think it kind of goes off of their willingness to grow and to make yeah. change from that. Like Iggy Azalea, she like made it clear like she didn't see her actions as a problem even though there were several black people in and out of the hip hop community that were telling her like hey, you're being disrespectful. And so I think your response to that is really indicative of, like, whether or not you should be given another chance. Yeah. Um, because if someone's calling you out for something that you're, right, like, obviously doing, you should make that—you've been aware. You've been made aware of what you're doing. You should yeah. make steps to correct it in the future. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference between saying, I'm sorry I did that thing, and I'm sorry you were offended by that thing. Yeah. yeah. And so saying I'm sorry is not enough. You need to hear the rest of it. Like— what are you doing moving forward to fix your mistake and amend for your mistake? Big Gina Rodriguez energy. Oh, oh, another one, right? Yeah. I, mean, I feel like part of why, like, Rosalia has been, like, swept under the rug with these, I consider, inappropriate things that she's been doing is because they're like, oh, well, she's Hispanic. Like, it's okay. Like, I feel like we 
think that people of color shouldn't be held accountable. But, I mean, like, we do things that are fucked up all the time as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, going back to what Minna was saying, like, Rihanna, baby, I love you. But like, sh- I adore you. Should but... you have been doing that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, Gina Rodriguez. Oh, again, no. I was, like, you know, again, with, like, cancel culture, I feel like this has been... A problem recently where artists will have like the notes that they'll post on their Instagram and Twitter saying like I'm sorry that this happened mm-hmm. and like Gina Rodriguez did the same thing was over caught and on over again camera like she put to it her herself saying, she uploaded it herself where she was saying the n word nobody uploaded it for her it didn't leak she knew exactly what she was mm-hmm. doing when she posted it and so she was trending for a couple of hours. And then her apology was like, oh, I'm sorry. This is just a song I love so much from my childhood. Her, her like, apology was like, was like basically like, I'm sorry I'm singing a song that I love by Lauren Hill and the, Lauren Hill and the Fu- Fugees. Uh, like, she, like even her demeanor, you could tell she wasn't actually sorry. Yeah, and that I think the authenticity is like a huge, huge, massive part of it. And I think a lot of artists, even when they're made aware of the problem, that's the point where you need to pay attention. Yeah, because what they do sure. next is indicative of whether or not they're trying to profit off their mistake or whether they actually understand that what they did was a mistake. And maybe they knew about it before but didn't really know that much about it. And, like, if they make amends, if they make the effort to educate themselves and, like, put that energy out into the world, they're like, hey, look at this thing that I did. It was bad. This is an example of a bad thing. And mm-hmm. not try to, like, oh, yeah, I was young back then. Or, you know, I've changed since then. We don't need to watch that video anymore. Like, I don't think we need to, like, promote the video. but like, <laughs> Acknowledge it. Acknowledge <laughs> so, it without being, That like, reminds me of um, Miley Cyrus and how, like, she, like, very obviously during, like, her bangers area, era. Yeah. Like, was appropriating black culture and to like, say the least yeah <laughs> that's, that's, putting it, that's putting it nicely yeah and then all of a sudden i feel like she realized that like people didn't like that and it was coming off as weird mm-hmm. and like not genuine and then she switched it up and did her whole like new era where it looked like you know she, she was back to like quote-unquote country yeah Malibu. yeah and it mm-hmm. and she like didn't really acknowledge it and, and so the, i just kind of like got like weird the follow-up to that is that once she realized that malibu wasn't bringing in the bucks the way that bangers era was she went back yeah yeah she went back to appropriating black culture not as much as she did before because she knew she'd get in trouble for it but definitely to an extent like oh, this genre isn't working for me. I'm going to go back to stealing from people of mm-hmm. color and see how that goes. Um, I feel like a good example, though, of an artist who has changed, evolved, and found to, like, come from that and grow from it is, like, Paramore. Oh, right? yeah. They don't, Absolutely. like, sing misery business anymore and yeah. acknowledge, like... And that's less about, like, race. It's more about, like, gender relations. But, like, they say whore in one of the songs. Like, she says, once a whore, you're nothing more. I'm sorry, that'll never change. But, like, there was a little bit of criticism. There was almost no criticism when the song came out. And then, like, people started being like, hey, this is kind of not a great song. And then Haley Williams, lead singer, she listened to that criticism and she was like oh you guys are right i'm not gonna sing that song anymore and that's an example of growth like that is a key example of what you're supposed to do in a situation like that we love to see it but i love her you know with artists that don't do that and just keep making the same mistakes or are ingenuine in their apologies um are we just as accountable for listening to their music you know because yeah that's a whole other conversation i think it's important like if you're really attached to that artist like 
like for me, I we mentioned earlier, I've been to twelve Panic at the Disco concerts. But Brendan Urie's no angel. Like we all know this. He's made mistakes, and I think I personally feel like he's apologized time and time again, and I respect that. But it, like somebody like Chris Brown, oh yeah, I cannot Mm-mm. in yeah. good faith support no, Chris Brown. I don't care how good his music is. I don't care who he collaborates with. Mm-hmm. And like, if for some reason you're one of those people that like was really into Chris Brown as a kid and you still want to listen to his music, I think it's really important to be conscious of how you listen to his music. Don't watch YouTube videos because that gives him revenue. Don't listen to his music on Spotify because that gives him revenue. Like, if you have, like, a CD or something, like, listen to that. And definitely don't try to be like, listen to this new Chris Brown song. It's really good to your friends. Like, listen to Forever because it was in that one episode of The Office. Like, go (laughs) off, but... Definitely. Very specific. Def- okay, everybody know who's seen The Office knows what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, no, I know. See? Okay. I'm not crazy. I'm a little crazy. I'm not that crazy. <laughs> but, like, be conscious of how you're listening to that artist. Do your absolute best not to continue to give them money and reward them for bad behavior. That's how I personally feel towards it. Um... Yeah, I don't. I <laughs> do not listen to Chris in Brown, essay, nor would I, I ever. But in this essay, I will tell you all about this. Um, I have one question. Well, okay. it's not even really a question. I'm just surprised we've gotten this far without talking about um, the queen of cultural appropriation, Miss Gwen Stefani. Oh, I was about yes. to bring her up. Lincoln would have killed us if we so, didn't bring her up. Yes, that's actually one of our most um, read articles of all time. Yeah. Uh, we have an article on that cultural shit, appropriation. It really is bananas. And written by Miss Lakin Newman on our editorial staff. And it was her first article. Yes, shout out to Lakin. Yes, it's so hard to articulate how well she did um, the feelings of, you know, really growing up with an artist that was constantly doing cultural appropriation, but, like, you were young, so you didn't really call it out, and, like, maybe that is a part of, like, that ignorance a lot of... Um, younger people are more in tune, I guess, yeah. with like um, culture and, and and more vocal about it. But like for Gwen Stefani, like she did, she like tried to be a Latina for oh, once. Y'all remember yeah, that video? Yeah, for a little yeah. bit. And even now, she's like a couple of years ago, she wrote a song about like Harajuku culture. Yeah, so she's, like, she's fifty. Mm-hmm. She needs to slow down. But a little it's bit. like so weird to me because like when I was younger I had a perfume like a, a Harajuku oh, girl, perfume yeah, me too I yeah. was like I don't like perfume but I like this Harajuku Low smell key, let's go good yeah. yeah and so yeah that's I guess that's why I'm wondering for artists that like we grew up on you know yeah them like white artists doing that kind of thing and that being their brand yeah um but now it's kind of overlooked. I mean, Gwen Stefani is is relatively still successful. She's on The oh, Voice, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Like, I don't really listen. No one listens to her music anymore. But she's still, like, a pretty <laughs> popular figure. And yeah. and time and time again on Twitter, it comes up, like, y'all remember when Gwen Stefani <laughs> cultural, <laughs> culturally like, we all remember. But yeah. And, like, and uh, we remember on Twitter. It's like she had people, a Rolodex and she was like, let me, let me <laughs> look at my cultures. Let me pick one. But what can we do about that, I guess? Yeah. You know? I think for me, like, if I were in Lincoln's shoes, if I were somebody who grew up listening to Gwen Stefani, it would be really tough for me to reconcile that. Um, but at the same time, like, knowing what I know, I don't think I could in good faith. So, like, it's it's a tough situation. It's a really tough situation. I think I personally would be like, I'm going to listen to my No Doubt CDs and, like, my vinyl and, like, 
quote unquote vinyl. There's no way I have no doubt vinyl anyways. <laughs> but I do have a Rocksteady CD. Anyways, like I would want to listen to her music in a venue like that, like in an analog format or like at least in a way that gives her like minimum amount of profit. Because like I said earlier, music is a business. Mm-hmm. I don't want to contribute any more money than I absolutely have to to her as an artist. I can say that I love Don't Speak because that's like the mm, best song ever. But I at the same time, <laughs> she performed that song with a bindi and like she's yeah, not Indian. She never yeah. will be Indian. Like there was no reason for her to do that. That was purely aesthetic. So like I'm not going to go watch the YouTube performance of it. But yeah. I'm still going to listen to the song because that song like even for me, like it reminds me of my mom, like and yeah. just a girl was in Captain uh, Marvel and it was a really good song. And it's a really good message in that song, too. Like it's like a feminist girl boss power song, but like it's also kind of white feministy. Oh, for sure. back oh. on it now. Yes, ma'am. It was really important when it came out. But now it's like, OK, yeah, we get it. So yeah. it's, it's important to have that lens and just be able to look back and be critical. But I don't think it's necessary to like completely shut an artist out of your catalog, especially if you have like an emotional connection to them. Mm-hmm. I think it also like there's a range, right? I feel like this is not everything is like black and white and this yeah. is very gray. And I think it's really up to like each listener and like what they value and yeah. like what they want to do. And I don't know that I personally can say that if I would judge someone for like listening to Gwen Stefani, yeah. like I personally, you know, I fuck with Ignition. Um, <laughs> do I listen to it anymore? No, I feel gross. I can't even listen to R. Kelly's yeah. music. Someone else chooses to do that. I mean, like you can do that in the privacy of your own home. Yeah, but I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. Or I don't want to yeah. hear it. I don't want to hear Tea. about it. <laughs> yeah. And so it's kind of hard. Yeah, I mean, do we want to be giving these people money? Absolutely not. Exactly. Yeah. So, or yeah. I guess keeping yeah. keeping. It's definitely harder though when you like literally idolize that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because like I feel like as you get older, you get more quote unquote woke. And I think even with the passing generations, you get more and more like into oh, and like for example, Cher, who's not. Native American literally oh, yes. mm. walked around with a Native yeah. American headdress on and no one said anything because it was fashion, it was share, it was aesthetic, blah, 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 blah. And I think now, for example, we like definitely pay more attention to it. So it's definitely like, oh, like I love share and like some of the contributions she's made to music. She's iconic. But like, I feel like, like Minna said, you also have to recognize the bad things and recognize that even, like, your most famous artist, favorite artist is, like, probably problematic in some aspect. And I think it can and almost has to be a balance. Yeah. Like, be critical. And if that's an artist that you grew up with or, like, you really just really like their music, be critical, but don't, like beat yourself up if a share song comes on and you're like, oh my God, I love this song. Like, yeah. And don't do that with like Gwen Stefani or anybody. Like, it shouldn't be like, you shouldn't get mad at yourself for listening to music that means something to you mm. because that's not productive. What's productive is calling that artist out and being like, hey, this thing you did was not great. And like educating people, like maybe not the artists themselves because it's not like we all have like a one-way ticket to shares DMs or anything like that. That would be the dream. <laughs> but like... <laughs> Just, you know, being aware of the issue and making your friends aware of the issue and making their friends aware of the issue. Like, Mm -hmm. 
this happened in the past. It sucks. I still like Cher. But maybe let's be critical next time we see this happen with a different artist. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I feel like it. Like who, what you think about this is very dependent upon like how you choose to distribute responsibility. Is mm. it fully on the artist? Yeah. Is it fully on like like their label? Or do I am I complicit? Like yeah. by yeah. listening to this and like promoting it and giving them in, like avenues to make more yeah. mistakes and like appropriate more music right. like am i responsible and so like yeah. part of my issue i'm gonna bring it back sorry <laughs> <laughs> with rosalia is like i like her music and you know a lot of people in the latinx community like it too but let's question like why do we like it you know there's like this like white passing girl like coming in and like taking over the scene that in the past like for some people they're like ew like perreo is gross like reggaeton is just like so unclassy yeah but now that she's performing it it's Mm. like oh wow revolutionary yeah and like one of the classic examples of that happening is like chuck berry invents rock music yeah Mm. a little bit later elvis presley makes it palatable for white people now elvis presley is the king of rock it's like no he's not it's chuck berry it's always gonna be chuck berry like you have to give credit where credit is due and like you're still allowed to listen to Elvis Presley. Like, nobody's going to say don't listen to Elvis, but Mm -hmm. be conscious of where that music came from, why he was able to be successful. It's because of people like Chuck Berry and the black community who literally invented rock and roll. Yep, literally profiting off of people of color time and time again. And here we are right at the beginning, profiting off of white people and people of different cultures profiting off of cultures that are not theirs. Without exactly. without recognizing that it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note of facts and emotion, <laughs> thank you so much for sitting with us and sharing your hot takes of the week. Um, tune into our next episode, which is likely in 2020. Um, and sayonara for now. Oh, my God. <laughs> You see what I did there? I'm so sorry. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Glow My God is a podcast by Afterglow ATX. Follow us on social media at Afterglow ATX for more updates. And we'll see you next decade, ladies. Bye. Bye. Bye.